Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis with the number one show at 5 o'clock. Uh, this is Cats at Night, and uh, we have a great show for you today. And uh, we have Judge Richard Weinberg, common sense uh, Democrat, Peter King. Uh, I think King's Highway was named after him, but I'm not <laughs> sure. No, it is, John. <laughs> you, col- you collect the rent on uh, King's Plaza, and too? if anyone tries to put up big apartment houses, John, I'm going to claim air rights. Now. All right. <laughs> A former uh, congressman, I hate to say former congressman, Peter King, on my right, Lydia Serrani. And uh, let's go right into it. Uh, uh, there's stuff going on in the U.K. Nobody really knows what's going on, but the guy we're going to talk to knows what's going on. Nigel Farage, he's a father of Brexit, and he has the top news and political show in the U.K. on GB News. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Great to be here, although these are very, very distressing times in the old country of the UK for conservatives. I've got to to tell you, we are literally in the biggest political chaos, farcical scenes that I've ever seen in my life. Well, nobody in America knows uh, what's going on. So let's start from the beginning. You guys voted for a new prime minister uh, approximately because the old guy wore his shoelaces the wrong way, so you got voted for a new prime minister. So we did. Yeah, Boris was. I mean, Boris was a very popular figure. I um, like Boris. He had. Yeah, no, he's fun. He's fun. Um, he's fun. But the trouble was, he wasn't very good at telling the truth. Um, and that wasn't very good. Um, and he pursued an energy policy. Because he went green. If he can't tell, if he can't tell the truth, or if he he can't lie, he can't work for in Washington. Well, I know. Now I've been told this that if if liars were kicked out of office in Washington, there'd be no one left. Nobody left. Um, But but, uh, and his energy policy so bad. You know, he went green. He married this new woman, um, Carrie. Um, who we jokingly call Carrie Antoinette, and he went for this crazy policy. Anyway, they got rid of him. They got rid of him, sort of fratricide inside the Conservative Party. We got a new woman. She came in. Now, she may not be that impressive, but I'll tell you what, she put forward the first genuinely conservative budget I had seen since Margaret Thatcher. She was going to reduce taxes, Help the small, help the self-employed and the little guy. Um, and I really like the program. Now, it may not have been costed very well. What happened was very, very interesting. The IMF, the OECD, the European Central Bank, the Biden administration, the German Chancellor, they all condemned it. They condemned it. The markets gave the pound a hard time. UK bonds a hard time. Uh, she was forced then to sack the finance guy, the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Um, And what's now happened is literally, and I promise you, this is not conspiratorial nonsense, this has just happened in the last few hours. They put in place a globalist, a pro-EU, pro-Chinese Communist Party globalist as the new Chancellor of the Exchequer. He is now running the country, not this Oh, my God. Bye yep. bye Britain. And the, yep, parliament, the, and the parliament agreed to it? Well, this is the extraordinary thing that this afternoon, the Home Secretary, you know, our Home Affairs woman, Suella Braverman, she was sacked and replaced, and she was a lever. She was a lever. 
She wanted to get tough on the English Channel illegal migrant crossings. And she's been sacked and replaced by, you guessed it, a pro-China globalist European Union Remainer. There is literally a coup going on in British politics, a globalist coup going on right now in British politics. The Conservative Party itself is being destroyed by this. We've had scenes tonight in Parliament of scuffles, physical scuffles breaking out in the Houses of Parliament, um, people resigning, people being sacked. Uh, it is an absolute catastrophe. No, it's, no, it's, extraordinary. Was... it's extraordinary, John. You know, it, it really is extraordinary. Yeah. Okay, this is Pete King. Uh, just if you could back up for one second, what would Margaret Thatcher have yeah. done if that entire deep state of Europe had turned on her that way? Would she have backed down or would she have stayed strong, do you think? Uh, she'd have stood up very tall. She'd have put a headscarf on and led us into battle. <laughs> I mean, that's what she'd have done. And we'd have won because she had courage, she had conviction, but also the Conservative Party in those days was actually conservative. The Conservative Party these days is not conservative, a little bit like the Republican Party when Romney was in charge before Trump came along. You know, we've seen this. We've seen this all across the Western world. So-called conservative parties uh, that have gone very liberal. Nigel, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. It seems to me the people both in England and the United States forget about the successes of Thatcher and Reagan. The policies that this new prime minister was putting in were policies that would work and would have saved Britain. And they've abandoned Absolutely. those policies. And that's frightening. Absolutely. I was, I mean, I was cheering to the rafters. You know, when I saw this change of direction, but I've watched uh, and I've, I've seen and I've been shocked at the extent to which the globalist community launched this attack upon her, uh, launched this attack on the markets upon her as well. I mean, I, the British pound was down to 99 cents just about. It was down towards parity. Yes, it was. Although it's worth remembering that the dollar is incredibly strong. You know, the Fed's, the, the, the Fed's interest rate policy and the fact that America is still independent in energy when the rest of us have been busy building windmills um, and relying on Mr. Putin or elsewhere for our gas and oil supplies is part of this. So actually, the yen has fallen further on the exchanges than the pound. Now, Richard, listen, she was trying to do the right thing. It may have been mishandled, but the globalists want bigger government, higher taxes, and they couldn't put up with the idea of a Thatcher-Reagan-style agenda. Is there it, anybody supporting her, uh, Nigel? <clears throat> well, the trouble is she's being trashed in the press. She's being trashed everywhere. Um, and it looks to me, it looks to me, although um, her time as prime minister basically is up, She's going to surrender. A matter of I think she is. I think she is. You know, we can have good instincts in life, but courage is a very rare commodity. And I think we, un I think we underestimate how courageous Reagan and Thatcher were as human beings. Because, you know, we all remember, don't we, the nonsense they had to put up with, the hatred they had to put up with. But they, they soldiered on through. They both led 
to a huge increase in human wealth, in prosperity, in the standing of our nations. Uh, today's leaders, or certainly on this side of the pond, today's leaders are just not made of the same stuff. So the whole thing's a tragedy. And I, I think the Conservative Party, which has been around for 200 years, arguably the most successful political party in the history they of the world. They lost their testicles. There must be something <laughs> in the water. <laughs> well, something's going on. I don't know what it is, John. But, but it, I mean, actually, it's so bad that I think the Conservative Party now, it now needs to be replaced by something new. Wow. We've got a minute left. Anything else to say to the uh, American people? You don't even realise, and you may not like his style, but you don't even realise how lucky you are to have a leader like Donald Trump who's actually got the courage to stand up and fight the woke agenda, to fight the globalists, to believe in deregulation, to believe in genuine free market capitalism. As I say, he may not be, as we put it in England, everyone's cup of tea, but at least you've got a genuine conservative leading your party. And I hope and pray the midterms are a great success and that you retake the White House in 2024. Thank you. Nigel Farage, thank you so much, and keep fighting for the U.K., and uh, you're doing a great job. And and now who do we have? We we have some breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. And with that breaking news is John Solomon, uh, investigative reporter extraordinaire of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, what do you have for us? A lot of breaking news today. Uh, let's start in Arizona. We're less than three weeks from Election Day. And Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of State in charge of elections, running for governor against Republican Kerry Lake, got a black eye this morning, had to admit her office mailed out thousands of incorrect ballots. They left the statewide and local officials off the ballot, only had federal officials. Katie Hobbs had to own up. That was their fault. Called it a computer glitch. But for most Americans, if you're if you're trying to promote yourself, you might want to make sure you're still doing a good job in your current job. Katie Hobbs having a difficult day in Arizona. It's the same Katie Hobbs that didn't want to debate, right? She's skipping the debates. But she actually sent out. What, what, what did she actually send out? She sent out ballots that only had the federal candidates on it. So all the statewide and local candidates weren't on the ballot. Uh, so people couldn't vote for them. So they're going to have to redo those. As you know, Arizona is an early voting state. So that's a very tricky thing once you mail out inaccurate ballots. So. 6,000 or so ballots went out before they caught the error, uh, a, a real problem for her. And, again, goes to the competency issue, which um, – and also she's been one of those people saying election officials always get it right. Not always. That's what and I, I saw John Solomon, that her spokeswoman, said that the driver's license questionnaire failed to properly verify the citizenship for some people, oh, leading yeah. them to be improperly registered as federal-only voters. So that's pretty scary, too, that they're not verifying who they're actually even sending the ballots to. Yeah. In, in, a, in a state where we know uh, there's now been a mayor who just pled guilty and that was sentenced for uh, harvesting illegal ballots, going out and collecting ballots, if you have that sort of verification problems, the potential for fraud goes up. This is a competence issue. She's in charge of elections. She's not doing a good job right now by her own acknowledgement. Uh, very big, um, very big thing. And that race is very tight. That's a very tight race in Arizona. What's going on in Michigan? Michigan, uh, since the debate about a week or 10 days ago, Republican Tudor Dixon, the first-time political candidate, beginning to move up on Whitmer. A lot of people in the Republican circles believe that race is tightening, as we're seeing in many races that were considered uh, uh, runaways a long time ago. Connecticut Senate races, 
uh, tightening up a little bit. Who would have thought a uh, Democrat uh, there would have a problem? But a lot of the races are tightening. Republicans have a lot of momentum, even in races that were, weren't considered competitive maybe three, four months ago. John Solomon, you're in Washington, D.C. What are you hearing about the response to President Biden saying he's going to drain the strategic oil supply even further? You know, it's a really scary thing because it's at the lowest level uh, in 40 years. You have to go back to the early 80s to be this low. And back in those days, we used a lot less gas and oil. Ronald Reagan was president the last time we had it this low. Uh, People are worried that we've drained it so much that if there was a catastrophic event, a major storm, an earthquake, a, a significant disruption, let's say, from a cyber attack in the oil industry. And we know that Iran's been trying to disrupt our oil industry. We might not have enough or below 20 days supply for the country, way below the comfort level that most people have. Everybody's saying it's politics because he's doing it right before an election. Joe Biden came out just a little while ago and said, nah, it's not politics. I'm just trying to make up for some lost oil in the marketplace. Doesn't take any credit for the fact that it's his policies that have created this tight oil market. Uh, But uh, a lot of people see politics, Joe Biden trying to push back on that today. And President Biden, John Solomon, he said a short time ago that his administration has not stopped or slowed U.S. oil production. You have talked to a lot of people. That's simply not true. That's exactly not true. I I had the president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association, Tim Stewart, on my show just a couple days ago. He laid out all the different ways that oil supply has been constrained by Biden administration policy, starting with the Trans-Canada Pipeline, made it harder to move oil and gas, then uh, tightening up of leases, and then also the ESG movement, the effort to inject into corporate policies an anti-fossil fuel thing. It has, it's been scaring people out of the oil market. They don't want to fund new oil exploration for fear that it would get roused out. Joe Biden's policies are having a direct effect at tightening up the oil market, and that's according to the industry itself. And another issue that's getting a lot of play, John Solomon, is what Stacey Abrams, she's a candidate for governor of Georgia, she actually said the best way to address inflation is for women to have abortions. I I just couldn't believe my ears and my eyes when I saw this interview on MSNBC. A lot of people have begun to study Stacey Abrams, who was a celebrity uh, new Democrat in 2018-2020, For what she's been saying, uh, I think she suffered a big blow in credibility just two weeks ago. A federal judge appointed by Barack Obama rejected the core argument that made Stacey Abrams the national figure she is. Her argument has been Georgia is the epicenter of a new Jim Crow 2.0 racist voting system because it requires voter ID. Uh, A judge appointed by Barack Obama threw out every allegation that her group made in a federal lawsuit after a long trial. That has hurt Stacey Abrams a lot, and I think comments like this now, she seems to be throwing spaghetti on the wall, hoping something sticks, because she's about eight, nine points behind Brian Kemp in what a lot of people thought was going to be a competitive race. The abortion comment today blowing up on the Internet, social media, a lot of people concerned about the judgment she used in making that statement. There's a lot of criticism going out and a lot of studies that the COVID vaccines, uh, the boosters, are killing people. Social media platforms are now attacking the doctors that are trying to tell the truth. That's exactly right. Famous cardiologist who, by the way, early on was one of the biggest boosters for COVID vaccines, saying, let's get them, let's get people ready. He has seen so many patients developing heart uh, problems, particularly clots, that he came out. He was instantly uh, censored on social media platforms. Interesting development uh, in the last 24 hours. I think it was the Moderna CEO. You can check this out online. Moderna CEO came out and said, I don't think people under 50 really necessarily have to get the boosters now. 
So there is some rethinking, even among some of the biggest advocates for these vaccines. There's just this data that shows heart inflammation among young adults, some growing amounts of clotting in older people, heart problems. We don't know the real cause, but people just want to tap the brakes. Tapping the brakes gets you censored, apparently, on social media. Has the federal government sealed uh, the records away for the 75 years they asked the federal court for? No, they haven't. And listen, there have been FOIAs out there in the last few months that have already put a lot of this data out there, some of this uh, adverse event data. So there's still a lot of transparency into this. I think that it's not that data's not getting out, it's that people are interpreting it very differently. The pro-vaccine crowd says this isn't significant. Uh, Other people, by the way, often previously pro-vaccine are saying, hey, these are significant trends. Let's not put public health at risk. Let's, Let's have an honest debate about it. The debate is over whether we're having an honest debate. And a lot of the experts I talk to, people like Jay Bhattacharya at Stanford, um, uh, uh, Harvey Risch at Yale, saying we're not allowed to have an honest debate right now. The critics get silenced, have an arm tied behind their back, and public health is at stake. We should be able to debate the science. Well, thank you so much, John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com for all that breaking news. John Solomon. Thank you so much. John Solomon always coming through with the breaking news. Keep it right here. Congressman King will be talking to Assemblyman Michael Lawler, who's running for Congress in a tight race up in Rockland County. Cats at night. Keep it right here. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Cats at Night, John Katzmatidi show. We still got a great show for everyone tonight. We'll be speaking with Anthony D'Esposito, special agent in charge, Frank Tarantino on the drug crisis. Uh, also, we got a lot. We got a, we got Congressman King here in studio. We have Judge Weinberg, John Katzmatidis, and myself. And on the line right now, we have Assemblyman Michael Lawler. He's running for Congress and in a tight race. Uh, welcome back to Cats at Night. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, Mike, this is Pete. How's the race going? I mean, you know, you were not supposed to be even close right now. You're closer ahead. How does it look to you? Everything's looking good. You know, this is a district Joe Biden won by 10 points. And our latest polling has me up six points over Sean Patrick Maloney, Nancy Pelosi's campaign manager. Uh, The bottom line here is this. Voters across the Hudson Valley are frustrated with the explosive cost of living, uh, the surging crime our poorest southern border, where not just the massive inflow of illegal immigration, but drugs pouring across our southern border and into our communities, killing 300 Americans a day. And Sean Patrick Maloney has voted 100 percent lockstep uh, with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. And if folks want to help us uh, get across the finish line with uh, just 19 days to go, they should go to FireMaloney.com. That's FireMaloney.com. And send a message to Nancy Pelosi Uh, and put an end to her reign as Speaker of the House. Mike, I've seen you campaigning in Westchester and Rockland. As far as I know, virtually every police union is behind you. While you're doing that, wasn't your opponent raising money in Paris, holding cocktail parties in Paris? It's quite breathtaking. You know, Sean Patrick Maloney uh, went on a a 10-city tour, uh, including going to Paris, Geneva, and London uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, He has spent more time gallivanting around the globe uh, than he has in district. I mean, it's so crazy. I've seen I've seen his paid tracker at more public events than I've seen Sean in district. And now he's starting to wake up to the fact that he's losing uh, because over the last week, he's probably made more appearances in the district than he has the entire campaign. Mike, how is the funding coming in? Are you going to be uh, amply funded? Sufficiently funded? 
we uh, we are doing well. Uh, the uh, NRCC and, and CLF uh, uh, are in uh, big in support of us. Uh, CLF just announced a four million dollar uh, broadcast TV buy uh, to support uh, our campaign. Uh, but ultimately, uh, we need to continue raising into the campaign, and that's why I ask everybody if you can help, uh, pitch in five bucks, ten bucks, fifty bucks. Go to FireMaloney.com. And help us uh, be the face of the red wave on November eighth. Mike, are the police still supporting you as strong as they were a few months ago? Yes, yes. No, we have strong police support. Uh, pretty much every police union uh, in the district and and from New York City is supporting us. Uh, I have obviously vehemently opposed cashless bail. Sean Patrick Maloney said cashless bail was his top priority, and we've seen what's happened since it took effect. Uh, index crimes in New York City are up 36% since January 1st, 2020, when cashless bail uh, took effect. And 40% of those who are released on non-monetary bail for felony offenses have been rearrested while those charges are pending. This has been an unmitigated disaster. Cashless bail is the single stupidest piece of legislation that has ever been enacted. And Sean Patrick Maloney owns it. He still defends it till today. And uh, it speaks volumes uh, to, to his judgment or lack thereof. And I feel very good about where we are. You know, almost 50 percent of uh, homes in this district have a member of law enforcement or firefighter, first responder or veteran living in their home. And I think folks are very frustrated with what's going on, uh, both from a cost of living standpoint and obviously crime uh, and that is why we're going to win on November 8th and send a shockwave across the country, taking out the chair of the DCCC. Mike, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. I want to talk to you about this ridiculous idea of congestion pricing, which is going to harm commuters like your constituents upstate. And it's going to no hurt question. New York City as well. Would you comment on that? Absolutely. It's one of the first bills I introduced was a bill to repeal congestion pricing. Good for you. It is not, nothing more than a tax on suburban commuters and outer borough commuters, uh, and it penalizes them for coming into to midtown Manhattan. The bottom line here is this. My constituents would have to pay $23 uh, on top of the, the tolls to cross the George Washington or Tappan Zee bridges uh, to get into the city. It would cost the average, uh, you know, suburban commuter an additional $6,000 a year uh, to commute into the city for work. It's absolutely outrageous. Uh, the MTA is the worst run authority in America. Uh, they do not have express rail service uh, that is adequate enough for Rockland County residents especially. Uh, and so our residents are forced to drive into the city, many of whom, by the way, are cops and firefighters and first responders. And, so and it was in the front page. It was on the in. front page of Daily News, I think, which is a liberal newspaper, that uh, the MTA has three sets of books on that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, the MTA needs a complete overhaul. Uh, they get billions of dollars, and they have poorly managed them for years. Hey, Mike, we have to run off. I mean, I've known you for almost 10 years. You're the type of guy when you're in Washington fighting for middle-income families, fighting for cops and firefighters. Good luck, and let's, let's have a big celebration on election night for you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, everyone. Guys, thank you, Mike. And let's go now to Lou Dobbs and get a financial report of what happened today.
This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. We still got a great show for everyone tonight in studio. We have Congressman King, Judge Weinberg, John Katz Matidis, and myself, Lydia Serrani. Now on the line, we have a former DEA special agent in charge, Frank Tarantino. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, well, you are a special agent in charge. You still are. So we usually have former. So we're going to get it straight. Exactly what is going on at the border, the fentanyl crisis. We keep hearing about it. The overdose deaths. John, tell us about that statistic to me. That is so stunning about the number of people that have died in the wars combined. Well, we had in Afghanistan, Vietnam and Korea, we lost one hundred and seven thousand uh, soldiers in the last 12 months. I think the number was the fentanyl. Uh, between the Chinese gangs and the, and the Mexican gangs, we lost 140,000 Americans in 12 months. Uh, how close am I, uh, agent? Uh, hey, John, thanks for having me on. Uh, the, the number is actually 107,622 okay. Americans have died in the last 12 months from poisonings. And, and this is unfortunately 294 people every single day, 295 people every day dying of poisonings. Um, wow. it's a, it's an incredible number. Uh, if we think about it, one person's dying every five minutes from a poisoning in the United States. And these are, these are record rates. It's interesting how you call it a poisoning because that's exactly what it is. We used to call them overdoses. Why do you make that distinction? Well, Lydia, most people are completely unaware of the lethality uh, that are in these fake pills. And, this is these these predatory criminal drug trafficking networks intentionally adding fentanyl, which is the most addicting and um, lethal synthetic opioid on the, on, on the illicit market today. And they're doing that to drive addiction. And so oftentimes these people are what we call opioid naive. They have no idea that there's an opioid in, in these in these fake pills, and, and it only takes two milligrams. We're talking about a very small quantity, um, approximately 10 to 20 grains of salt, if you were to pour that onto your kitchen table. That's really, really small in terms of um, quantity. It, you can't see it in, in the pill, and I think that's what is so concerning, and this is what's killing most Americans. Isn't it, uh, Agent uh, Judge Richard Weinberger, isn't this an act of war against the American people? Well, sir, here's what I would tell you. I would tell you that China and Mexico are, without a shadow of a doubt, an existential threat to the United States. Um, They are a public health, public safety, and national security risk, which is why the DEA is focused, relentlessly focused, and and, um, taking this very seriously to defeat the cartels. Um, We're pursuing every avenue and, and trying to uh, defeat the cartels uh, throughout the United States and abroad. Again, we are speaking with DEA special agent in charge, uh, Frank Tarantino. We keep hearing about these reports that the fentanyl is being disguised to look like candy, like sweethearts. It could be in our kids' Halloween candy. How how true is that? Well, first I would tell you that we have no credible evidence <clears throat> that would indicate that, that they are intentionally um, trying to make candy or, or to interfere with the supply chain of candy um, or that it's getting onto store shelves. What we will tell you is that these drug trafficking organizations, these Mexican cartels are very creative and innovative, and they are constantly seeking 
new customers. And this is their attempt as a marketing tool to create a new customer base, to create demand, discover new markets, and, and to make more money. And, and this is a smuggling technique. Um, we, we have seen in several, several cases across the country where uh, these rainbow-colored fentanyl pills have been disguised in um, packages that, that would appear to be candy. Um, but, but again, this is a smuggling technique, but we do not have any evidence that would indicate that it's making its way into the supply chain. And if we had that evidence, we would most definitely share that with the American people because the DEA's mission is to save lives. My my concern, Agent, is this. You read or you see on television or hear on radio about the interdictions and and there's a big bust. But how many cases are there where we don't know about infiltrating our country? Well, yes, sir. I mean, this is this is the relentless pursuit that I spoke of earlier. You know, we're working uh, with our foreign counterparts and, of course, with our state and local counterparts to identify these cartels that are operating throughout the United States, but also in Mexico. And we're having a great deal of success in doing that, as as we detailed in a in a press release in a lot of um, you know press conferences in the last month. Uh, we seized 10 million pills. Uh, in, in a three-month period, uh, nationally we seized 100. I'm sorry, 980 pounds of fentanyl powder. So we took off the street, out of circulation, approximately 36 million lethal doses of fentanyl, and we'll continue to do that. We'll continue to drive down these these poisonings. Um, but but you know this is a relentless pursuit, as I mentioned several times already. This is this is a uh, this is not a war on drugs. This is a fight to save lives, and and that's our focus: saving lives. DEA special agent in charge, Frank Tarantino, we we hear about the number of busts you guys are making. It's unbelievable the amount of work your agents are doing at the border. We're hearing about it here in New York City, but then we're also hearing about a lot of these drug dealers that they're getting busted and then they're being let out. How frustrating is that for you to hear those kind of stories, all that hard work that's put in only for these bail laws to let the criminals go free? You know, Lydia, we focus on the highest level violators. Uh, we, we do our absolute best to target the, the drug traffickers and organizations that are causing the most harm. And we've had a great deal of success working with our federal counterparts and in some cases our state counterparts on the judicial side to hold those people accountable. And we'll continue to build those cases and, and continue to uh, connect those dots and work those cases back to Mexico. My, my advice and my vision guidance to this division in New York is to globally pursue their targets from Main Street, New York, all the way back to Main Street, Mexico. So this is this is our global pursuit to hold those people accountable. And we've had a great deal of success with the U.S. Attorney's offices here in New York and the four districts in getting uh, that accomplished. So we'll continue to do that and, and we'll continue to uh, pursue and and to work with our state and local counterparts to, to accomplish the mission. Well, thank you so much, DEA Special Agent in Charge Frank Tarantino, for all the work that you've been doing, all the work that your men and women are doing to to keep our kids alive, to keep people alive. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lydia. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you. Now on the line, we have Anthony D'Esposito. He's a Hempstead Town Councilman. He's a retired NYPD detective and former chief of the Island Park Fire Department. An all-around great guy, Congressman King. You know him well. I've known Anthony for many years. He was, he's been an outstanding councilman. He is 
active not just in the Island Park Fire Department, but in Fire Department matters all over Nassau County. He's going to be a great congressman. I am proud to support him 1,000%. Anthony, how you been? How's the race going? I'm great, Congressman. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing good, but I'll do better if I know that you're in office because you're, yeah, well, you're going to be the, my congressman. That's the plan. Uh, you know, everything is going well. The, uh, you know, we, me and you uh, were at a, a block party uh, about a month ago. I think the feeling uh, on the streets, the feeling from neighbors, both Democrats and Republicans, are that they are ready for a change. They want someone that represents law and order. Uh, they're tired of uh, the failed policies of the Biden administration. Uh, and they know that my opponent will be a rubber stamp for everything uh, that he's a part of. You know, uh, that's crime. You know, you are doing a great job on uh, law and order. But you're also a councilman when the uh, town board proposed a tax cut and Laura Gillen was the supervisor. And what did she do with the proposed tax cut? Yeah, so in a bipartisan fashion, we were able to present a, a budget to the town of Hempstead, which for those that are listening, town of Hempstead is the largest town in the nation. We submitted a tax cut budget, and uh, Laura Gillen proudly voted no. Uh, and, and that's a problem, and, and it shows that I have the ability to work across party lines, which I'm clearly going to have to do on Capitol Hill to deliver uh, for the people of the 4th Congressional District. But uh, instead of facing the facts, Laura Gillen is out there, lie after lie after lie. I mean, she's uh, infiltrating the airwaves and, and YouTube. I mean, uh, the other day, my, my niece, who's uh, three or four years old, was on her iPad playing games, and uh, there pops up a uh, Laura Gillen abortion ad. It's just she's targeting the wrong people. She's focusing on one issue. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, like I, I mentioned in my debate the other night with uh, Newsday TV, um, you know, I, uh, I would not vote for a nationwide abortion ban. Uh, here in New York, it go, the decision goes back to the state, and nothing's changing in New York. So what we need to focus on is the crime that's out of control. We need to focus on uh, the record inflation. That's the highest it's been since I've been on the earth. Uh, and we need to focus on uh, focus on working in a, in a bipartisan fashion to uh, to deliver for the people of Long Island like you did for so many years. And, you know, you, uh, by all accounts, won that debate hands down. Also, though, when you were a cop and detective in the city, what, you have 600 arrests? Yeah, I, I, when I left so. the NYPD, I had a, a great career. I worked uh, my entire career in Brooklyn North, uh, and I left with uh, over 600 arrests. And, you know, the, the, the narrative that she's trying to create, uh, that uh, I have no respect for women. You know, I, I spent uh, well over a decade in the New York City Police Department, and I hunted down and arrested rapists and people who committed um, you know, domestic violence against women. I've always stood up for women's rights. I've always uh, done my part and, you know, believing in my oath and protecting and serving women. Uh, so the lies that she's spreading are just uh, are ridiculous. But it's clear that the people on the streets, the people uh, here in the 4th Congressional District are seeing right through her lies, and they know exactly, uh, you know, where to mark their ballot when it comes November 8th. Anthony, John Cassimatidis, uh you're a law and order person. Nassau County is a law and order county. There's no reason why you shouldn't win. I mean, you know what happened to my friend Ted Kaminsky and what happened to... You mean Kaminsky? Be nice. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Laura Coran. They lost because, you know, Laura, was a great lady, supported Kaminsky, but it's law and order town. So you're the law and order guy. Well, John, from from uh, from your lips to God's ears, I hope we have a huge victory on November eighth. And I think a lot of people are seeing exactly what you said. You know, in in uh, twenty twenty one, Laura Kern was a popular county executive, and without a doubt, she lost 
um, because crime was on the ballot when uh, Madeline Singus was elevated. Well, crime is on the ballot right now. That it is, and I think that that pendulum that that started swinging in 2021 is going to continue uh, swinging to November 8th, 2022, and we are going to see big victories once again in Nassau County. It become uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, Mr. Esposito. It seems to me that it's not just the bail law; it's all the other crazy laws that the state legislature and government pushing. I don't want to make it complicated. It's crime, 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 crime. crime. and you exactly. know the other big thing in Nassau County. They're going to charge them money to be able to go to go to the theater. Congestion pricing. Well, of course. You can't go to the theater in Manhattan unless you pay the MTA. Mm-hmm. And what's your stand on that? Another tax on suburbia. Right. You're right, Andy. Somebody has to fight for the suburbs. Uh, Laura Gillen will not. You will. And that's why the people in this district do have to vote for you. And, again, I was with you in that block party in Beaumont. And none of those people were politically involved, but every one of them responded to what you're talking about, and they really responded to the fact when they realized that you were a former detective because people are scared. No matter where they live today, people are scared. Crime, crime, crime. That's the whole thing. Well, That's it. You know, if we, if we want to fight crime and we want to keep our community safe, then who better to elect than a crime fighter? Yep, and a former NYPD detective. Is that correct? Brooklyn North. And yes, he's a tough guy. Yes, Take a look sir. at Anthony. He's a tough guy. Anthony D'Esposito, Nassau County. Mm -hmm. Make sure you vote for law and order in Nassau County. This is John Katzmatidis. And uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, we're going to take a a break right now. And we're going to come back. And there's some breaking news from Dr. Peter Michalos. Let's take that break. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Before we get to our resident medical genius, Dr. Peter Mikolos, who always has some breaking news for us, we want to remind our audience that on October 26th at 10 a.m., we will remember the life and legacy of our 77WABC colleague, Bernie McGurk, with a special mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Everyone is invited. For more information, just head over to WABCradio.com. If you plan on attending, please email us at RSVP at WABCRadio.com. Dr. Mikolos, tell us what do you know? I, I, I'm, I don't know whether to be excited or be scared with the news you're going to give us. Well, I think it's uh, exciting news and positive news. I was com- communicating earlier with Judge Weinberg about a fascinating article in uh, National Geographic. And basically, it talks about how we're learning that cancer cells basically have a mechanism to generate their own cloaking device. And basically, it puts a force field around them of these proteins, and it basically makes these cells invisible to our natural T-killer cells. And T-killer cells are these uh, basically like missiles, or if you want to make an easy analogy, picture that the cancer cell is circled with this glass shield around it, making it invisible to the T-cells to knock it out. So picture that these T-killer cells are like uh, Yankees Aaron Judge hitting a baseball and smashing it right through the glass and destroying the cancer cell. And what we're learning is that these T-killer cells that we have swim around our blood 24-7 in our bloodstream and our lymphatic system, and they're like our immunological SWAT team uh, taking out cancer cells. And basically what the exciting news is that cancer vaccines and new immune therapies are being developed that will basically block the cloaking device mechanisms of these cancer cells on their surface. And this will allow the cancer killer cells to punch a hole through their force field 
and recognize and basically recognize that the the cell and say you are a cancer cell. You've been hiding behind that force field of, uh, that you've created. So that's going to be exciting to have more targeted therapies against cells. And also, I think in the future, that's, every that's time a we wow. get a biopsy, mm-hmm. wow. it it wow. in the future, every time we get a biopsy, they're going to have customized immune therapies. Basically, they're going to take your cells, your cancer tumor, and say, okay, we see these certain types of cells on the surface, and then we're going to make an antibody, just like we made antibodies against COVID spike proteins, and we're going to specifically attack your cancer and your body for each specific person. And I think that's going to be the next new phase that we're going to be seeing is customized, targeted uh, ability to go after cancer cells so that people will have a chance to survive once things are detected early and before the system is overwhelmed. So some, many of our friends who we've lost to cancer, hopefully in the future, we're going to lose a lot less friends. And it's all about uh, health span, not just lifespan. It's quality of life and trying to live healthier for a longer time. The other uh, interesting topic that we talked about and uh, is about what's happening up in Boston with these playing around with the uh, viruses like the COVID viruses and these gain-of-function experiments. And I'm saying right now there should be an international ban on these type of experiments, manipulating the surfaces of these uh, viruses, making them more contagious and deadly. And one of these days, something's going to leak out of this lab and we're going to have millions of deaths. And I think there should be an international ban on playing with How the, does this these viruses. How does this happen? Yeah. How does this? How are they allowed to do this? What are the controls on this? Well, what happens is think about if you have a, a if you want to if you want to make uh, antivirals, for example, and you have to do experiments. It could take months or years. So what you do is you're making a virus that works very very quickly. So you can do a lot of animal experiments very quickly. So it's highly contagious. So you can test all these different antivirals. So the goal of gain of function means to make it more contagious so you can do your experiments faster in a more efficient way and get your medicine out. And this is Boston University? Yep. Well, you know, we have a million people listening to us possibly. Uh, Anybody associated with Boston University, let's get that message out. Go to the board of directors and tell the board of directors your job is to oversee what goes on at Boston University. It's happening in hundreds of labs all around. Well, let's take one by one. We're going to take Boston University now. Yeah, I think it's just telling all our politicians to just have a, even the United Nations that there should be a ban, just like they have bans on certain types of uh, chemical weapons and chemical warfare. We should have the same thing, that uh, there, there should be a system uh, not to allow these things to happen and that these things have to be well-documented and transparency and that they need to report to someone when they start playing with these types of things because it's like playing with a, an atom bomb. It's worse than an atom bomb. Because you can kill millions of people over a wide area. An atom bomb might take people out for a few miles and maybe hurt people for 100 miles. This can knock out a whole population. And even uh, it can even affect our animals. Imagine if it killed all, you know, the uh, animals and mammals. Well, if it broke out of Boston University and first hit Boston, and then the people travel to and from Boston, before you know it, you have a nationwide and a worldwide epidemic. Congressman King, you have something to say about that? No, I, I think I can't believe we haven't learned our lesson. I, mean, I can see if we did this two or three, four years ago, 
before we knew what can happen. We, we saw what happened in Wuhan. I think it's really, uh, to me, it's it's totally, wrong. Yeah, and, and, totally irresponsible. Yeah, and I, I agree. The UN, if, you know, if they can ban chemical weapons, they should put a ban on this. Exactly, and also we have to understand that a hundred years ago, or oh, this, this years is ago, wait, this is travel. this is worse than guns. Guns will kill a few yeah. people, uh, ten thousand people, five thousand people. You're talking about these these viruses can kill millions of people. They kill more than Hiroshima and okay? Nagasaki. So let's uh, stop the crap with guns. You know the, these viruses are serious stuff. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is that people don't realize that if the last administration didn't put a travel ban, we probably would have lost about another half a million to a million people in this country. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, 200 years ago, there was no airplane travel. Now, with airplane travel, we're all connected. So these things will spread like wildfire. So uh, here on WABC, we're saying it. Please ban these type of experiments. Absolutely. All right. Give us some good news now. I mean, uh, <laughs> you, you know, we, we, enough with the bad news, uh, Dr. Peter Mihalos. To tell us how we're going to live for an extra couple of years. Well, I think that the great news was what I just said, that all these new cancer vaccines and immune therapies that are coming out are going to be game changers for the treatment of cancer. And we encourage people to get early testing, as we told our patients about some of the new testing, like the gallery test by Grail, where you can find 50 cancers before they even start. Again, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and simple things like getting your mammogram, your colonoscopy. And uh, even the pap smear test. Now we know that certain viruses that, you know, can cause uh, cancer like HPV and cervical cancer, you catch things early, you take care of them, and you can uh, do very well and live a long time and try to eat healthy. And um, and also here at, here at WABC, we should definitely urge the PSA test. Because if Bernie McGurk had acted on that, yes. he could Bernie still be McGurk alive today. He could be alive today if he <laughs> took that. And i, I got to remind the audience what uh, – what, uh, Lydia said before on what is it Wednesday the twenty yes. sixth Bernie McGurk's yes. birthday October twenty sixth correct at we're ten a.m. Have a, a special ceremony and memoriam at the St Patrick's Cathedral from ten o'clock to about eleven thirty and everybody is invited from our audience and and uh, standing room only it's going to be a beautiful ceremony and for a great guy and. And this is the final hurrah. This is the goodbye to Bernie that we all love. And mm-hmm. and thank you all for listening to this. And i got to remind everybody, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. American way. Thank you. God bless America. God bless uh, uh, Nassau County. We better win that one. And uh, yes. Rockland County. <laughs> Rockland County. You know, we want safety in our streets, safety in our subways. Well, you know, God bless all Americans. Bless the world. Thank you for listening today. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.